Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to a following on special podcast from Talk Sport. The team are back in Barbados and after that surprising 2-1 defeat in the tests, it's a chance for England to extract some revenge over the West Indies. Preparation begins tomorrow. So today, another opportunity to listen back to a brilliant interview between Jared Kimber and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. The topic, three deliveries, a slower ball Yorker, a back of a length snorter and that wide. Take a listen, enjoy, and if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe through your favourite podcast app and stay up to date with all the news from England's Tour of the Caribbean. You're listening to Following On. So, Harmy, I was looking through my notes of uh, when I used to write about you when you played, and I found this. Steve Harmison is part animal, part machine. Sometimes it's a killer robot saber-toothed lion, and other days it's a guinea pig and an electric tie organizer. You were very inconsistent, but you could be absolutely brutal when you got it right. Yeah, well, on the joking side of it, I used to say, if I didn't know what was happening at 90 mile an hour, the bloke 22 yards away had less chance. Um, and there was actually, when it happened, that me and NASA do talk about it now and again when we were in, there was the Lilac Hill game when he was captain, makes the joke, are you going to finish the over when he used to say when he was standing mid off? That's NASA's humour. But also during Perth when I lost my run up and I was bowling 10 mile an hour faster when I couldn't run compared to when I could run. And I remember walking back that's during that spell, Ricky Ponton, who I think is the best player I've ever played against, was standing there and he was looking at me and going, Hammy, when are you, we don't know when you're going to get let go of the ball. I said, but it's faster. And he went, yes, it is. And I went, good luck then. And it was Dank Damien Martin was down the other, the other end. We had, if, if it wasn't so serious, it would have been funny. I actually bowled better with a run-up that I couldn't couldn't quite get. But no, I, I agree. I, there was there was times that things things went right. I think long limbs and uh, rhythm. I was a very rhythmical bowler, and if I didn't get it quite right because of being tall, being quick, the wicketkeeper being that little bit further back, it did. If it just missed down leg side by the time it got to the keeper it looked it looked quite ordinary and awful but there was times where it was devastating like you say and I always tried to work to the theory that if I could bowl fast enough and keep it going fast I always had good 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 balls and good spells in me so if I wasn't troubling by going for too many boundaries I would get somebody good out when he was 22 yards away from me and I think that's what a lot of captains 
how they use me to be fair you know Michael Vaughan used to say to me look I'm not bored just just make sure it's quick and if you're telling me that you're not sure what's happening I'll put a third man down I'll put a deep point out and I'll put a deep square and just bowl short just bowl bounces because nobody likes pace nobody in the world likes pace not extreme pace and then when you start getting we'll start bringing people in so the captains understood they used me in in that way um but you know once the pace wasn't there that's when you became a little bit of a liability when you were a kid did you dream of being a cricketer no not one bit i don't think i was i think it was up until i was about 16 before i even thought about playing cricket you you were a bricklayer at times i was i was actually doing when i come come into him i was doing a bricklaying course i left school without any qualifications and i mean none i did a, a a bricklaying course and I played cricket for Northumberland I think it was an under 16 or under 17 tournament and I actually played against Durham and Jeff Cook was watching I think it was one of the Durham batsmen one, two or three and I was bowling and within two and a half weeks of that game um, I'd played two second team games and then I was in the squad for the first team game against Leicestershire Leicester I think we got we got bowled out for 100 Leicester got 500 and we got bowled out for 80 that's how good Durham were at the time um, and that was my first class debut and I finished my brick lane course this following, the following year because I had uh, back problems I didn't play a lot of uh, 97 but that's how my that's how cricket came to me I was playing club cricket at Ashington I was about 15 year old when I realised I could bowl quickly I was 16 obviously when I got seen by Durham and I remember my made my first class debut there and then and that's really the realisation of I played cricket when I was from 11 year old but it wasn't anything that I thought oh I'm going to be a cricketer it was I wanted to play football football, football, football only thing I was interested in and then the cricket came along and that really opened my eyes that first class game because the first class game come out of nowhere nobody knew really who I was what I was and it propelled me into something that all of a sudden got me a little bit of a fright because I went on an under-19 trip to Pakistan. I lasted, I should have lasted four days, I lasted two weeks. And that was the first time I come across Freddie. I was homesick, didn't know where, I'd never been out of the country really. One holiday to Alcudia with a family. And all of a sudden, I'm now going to spend Christmas and New Year in Pakistan, nine weeks on a 19 trip. I lasted a fortnight. And I think that's where a lot of the mental health problems came. So that's the, the that's the quick uprise of Steve Harmison as a cricketer. You played in the 0203 Ashes and then you played in the 05 Ashes. What was different? Um, we were better in 05 than we were in 02. We had a, we, 02 was great. For me, it was great. I came back from 02 with nine wickets, 10 wickets, I think it was. But I had Steve Waugh thinking I, was, I had something to offer. You know, that team I played against was a fantastic team. You know, and I reckon I hold my own a little bit as a as a young up and coming international cricketer. Um, and then at the end of that trip, I believe I walked away thinking, you know what, I can play international cricket because you don't play against Hayden, Langer, Ponton, Martin, Steve Waugh, Gilchrist, Warner, McGrath, Gillespie. You don't play against them every week. You play once then once every few years. Now you've been aware. You've played against them aware. Yes, we got beat 4-1. Four, four, it wasn't, from a statistical point of view, it wasn't a grit tour for me, but I felt as though I competed and held my own. So if I can compete against the names I've just mentioned, I, can, I felt as though I could compete against anybody. 
In one day cricket, Ricky Ponting scored at over a run a ball against you. In test, he averaged over 65 against you and scored at 4.5 runs and over. What was your plan at Lords? My plan at Lords to be aggressive, full stop. Do what you do best, Michael, you'd say. Do what you do best, which is to bowl aggressively. the second time this morning that Harmison has well that's cut the Australian captain Hayden took one straight on the helmet Ponting I think the ball has snuck through that gap between the grill and the peak of the helmet and he's in trouble here that's the hostility of Harmison and why he's been so good in this England attack it's a big hit he's a tough campaigner captain of this side now and so uh, he will want to stay out there and lead from the front. I've got a different theory of what Lords was when the, the Australians got hit. I think the Australians were nervous. I thought there were maybe that little bit of insecurity of England can beat us. And I thought that proved in the first innings of batting. You mentioned the stats there. Ricky, Ricky Ponton's the best player I've ever played for the simple fact is my go-to ball was a short ball. When Ricky faced it, he tried to hit it for six. Um, others, I could maybe intimidate. When I look back now at that first morning of the Lord's Test match, Justin Langer got hit on the arm on a ball which Justin Langer has had throughout his career, and that's his go-to shot, which he just fends off, flicks it down the final leg and trots off up the other end. How many times has Matthew, po Matthew Hayden been hit on the head in his career? And how many times has Ricky Ponton been hit on the head in his career? Within a... 15 over period all three things had happened and I say they were they were more nervous and that occasion got to them first morning than what it had had got to England Ricky Ponton we wanted to be aggressive towards him but we also wanted to bowl that back of a length that, that good back of a length which he he struggled and we thought he could get nicked off off a tall bowler and that's how I seen him get out but it did help um, him being him being hit because he wasn't as he wasn't as keen to come forward. It made a huge noise, and then there was a bit of a pause, and he went off, and obviously the helmet had hit his face, hadn't it, mm. and pushed the, the, the thing. Did you see the blood on his cheek? No. Honest, no. Didn't see anything until I was back at, me, at the end of my mark. By that time, you're looking at 15 seconds. By that time, you are now, well, my run-up was 50, 57 foot, 57 foot four, I think it was, because it was date measured. So I'm now, other side, I'm now right... I'm a long, long way from Ricky Ponton. It wasn't until it came on a big screen that we drew blood. By that time, it's a little bit... You, you ask if it's all right, but the, the moment's gone to really check on somebody. And that's another one of the regrets that you, you have, that we didn't, didn't go and make sure everything was, was all right. Justin Langer saying, he said to Straussy, oh, we had a war during it. And actually, I think we were. I think we were. Because I think if... I think the... The feelings at the time was getting a bit touchy, but not to the extent somebody getting hit and hurt like that. So it was a disappointing uh, thing that nobody went over to, to Ricky and seeing if everything was OK. If we had gone over, what would Ricky have done? I'm pretty sure what, he's, what he would have said. His second one might have been off and we would have been, we would have been pushed away because he's a tough man. But, yeah, it's, it's one of them moments in cricket where... You get the odd, I get the odd idiot to go and I bet you that's the best feeling. Yeah, never. The best feeling was when Straussy caught him and he's walking away, he's out. He's not going to get 100 and that's the best feeling ever. Yeah, hold that please, level five, thank you. 
Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Next test match uh, in Edgebaston. Australia are chasing 282. Clark's in with Shane Warne. It's coming to the end of the day's play. And you bowl a slower ball that uh, everyone who's ever seen that footage seems to have picked except for Michael Clark. Can you take us through that one? Um, I was knackered. I'm going to tell you, I was absolutely beat. We were all were. You know, we were all we were all out on our feet. Uh, last over the day throwing everything we've got to get one we, we were saying we've got to get one on strike first ball I think I think it hit Clark in the armpit the next one was in and around sort of helmet area he wrapped him on the gloves so you're not going to get him on strike and Andrew Flintoff Marcus Juskothic first and second slip have all said you've got the worst slow ball in the history of the game you can see it they can see it before you even you even um, take off past the umpire we can see it split finger and Fred always joked he would go no like that as it's coming down because it's the easiest one to pick and like you're saying you're right I think everybody picked it apart from Michael Clark I think because of the barrage of short balls that we that we give him it wasn't just from me it was from the other end as well um, we knew we had to get we, we knew we thought we had to get worn out Clark was the biggest bonus that you'd you, you could ever believe because we knew if if we got worn out we had an end of, end of play you know as much as Brett Lee had batted brilliantly in the series uh, up to that we knew we had an end to play if we got worn out but to get Clark out was a, a massive bonus you win that Ashes how does the 05 Ashes change your life um didn't it didn't change mine too much being from Ashington quite a simple lad from a simple area yeah from a footballing background that was the good thing from being there. I wasn't the someone like Peterson or um, going to London or being in London or Flintoff. It was it was huge for Flintoff, huge for for Vaughan living in the big city. I wasn't in a big city. I was in out in the sticks a little bit, so it didn't change too much. You go on to be selected in the ICC World Eleven. 
and then in 0607 you take the new ball at the Gabba and uh, the whole world's watching what happens next the first ball the first test match Um, I bowled a ball straight to Andrew Flintoff. It, it's, it was a, it was a bizarre. Obviously, it was a bizarre thing, but it was a, it was something that I've never shy away from. I do a lot of Q and A's, and I always say, I don't mind you asking a question. Just ask it at the end because there was a fun element and a serious element in the answers. You know, you, I think, I think from a realistic point of view, and what actually happened, I missed the game at Adelaide, the warm-up game. I felt my side go about 20 minutes before the toss and it was do I play do I not play and I and I honestly I did and my backside dropped because I thought side six weeks realisation I'm not going to play in the Ashes not sure so I didn't play in that game and here it was just a little twinge that then that then really cost me whether you should have played in the, the test match or not that cost me four days preparation where I could have bowled 50 overs 40, 45 overs I was needed somebody I needed to bowl overs um, and that was a direct um, it was a direct consequence on what was going to happen for the rest of the tour I knew that deep down um, and when I got to got to Brisbane you do and I keep saying I make the joke you visualise that 22 yards away Justin Langer He's expecting a short ball. We started aggressively. The reason why we, we have got the ashes in our hand is because we started aggressively. And I always say, you pitch it up, swing it in, nick off. That's how you visualise and you see it happening. I, I believe I got 95% of it spot on. You know, just missed the middle man out and it just pushed it across. But I think, joking aside, I just tried too hard. I tried too hard. It's basically, trotted the ball fast, ran in, probably ran in too fast got there ahead of when I needed to get there and when I pulled out I pulled out across myself and not down and I've seen it again when I pull out across myself I'm actually surprised it got to where it got because sometimes sometimes I've, it's happened you see a few people the ball will come out the hand before they've actually bowled the ball and that was nearly that occasion by the time I'd let go of it it was on sort of second and third fingers it was the, sec the me first and second finger and it was just because I'd pulled out too quick and the, the hand, the wrist had gone too far, um, and that it happened. You know, Matthew Hoggard on the boundary at fine leg running in, and he's doing. He's, his arms are in the air. He's cheering. What's going on? Freddie's caught it. Nobody's cheering. Why are we not celebrating the first wicket of the Ashes? Because the ball has gone past the batsman. It's now it slipped. Surely Army hasn't bowled a force ball to second slip. And yeah, Matthew, I did. So it was. It was just one of them surreal moments. You had to laugh. I had to laugh. I tried. I was inside. I was, I was going. My beans were going. But it was one of them ones. You had to laugh. If you didn't, and you know, you, you you wanted the, you'd want the floor to gobble you up very very quickly. And I look back on it, and I got better as the series got on. And people will say, well, it couldn't have got any worse. And you're right. It couldn't have got any worse. But I think that the test for me was the mental test that every single day I did not want to go off never wanted to go off the toilet never wanted to go off to change of boots I wanted to prove to everybody that even though I started like that and even though I might not have bowled well throughout the series and it shows you I bowled the first ball to second slip and I had to play all five test matches because England we weren't good enough to play against Australia we weren't you know, we didn't have the materials 
we lost so many players from that 05 series and this is what we had in to play the whole five test matches after that first ball. I felt that tested my mental strength and what I had to go and go through. But I also got a realization at the end of the first day when I got home, I got back to my room and and this is why I talk, I keep asking people when you do the Q&A to do it at the end because I got back to my room and you know, you don't want to watch, I wouldn't have wanted to watch Australian TV because I knew it was going to be there. But then I seen Sky News, eight o'clock at night and it was, England start embarrassing Hamilton Bowls the first ball the second slip Flintoff catches it it looks like England are going to relinquish the ashes and it was like bad news dear so quite quiet news dear and then there was two soldiers I was watching two soldiers killed in Afghanistan and and I was like wow that's after me that is after me are we for real here and when people ask me and they say how long did that ball affect you mentally and I'll say six, eight hours, because once that game had finished and I had seen that news, I was like, this is just a game. There's real life here. And when that real life life kicked in and the realisation that that was what it was, and you know what? I'm playing cricket, playing cricket for England. That's why I got got to Sydney at the end. Might not have bowled very well throughout that part of that tour, but the realisation of what that Sky News reel showed me was that cricket is it's sport but it's it's a job and it's something to be enjoyed and loved but there's other real life factors going on out there that are meaningless and that's why I think I got better in that series and it didn't just I didn't want the, the, the whole world to open up and just let Steve Armisen drop down it and never to be seen again. 2009 you played the last two tests you take two wickets in your second last uh, over in test match cricket basically wrap up the Ashes win and not bad for a bricklayer from up north? Not bad for a bricklayer up north. I'm pleased I didn't get a hat rick though, because I'd already told Freddie I was packing in with him. I'd already told him, I think it was about halfway through that last session, I made my mind up that I didn't want to I did I couldn't play anymore because if Freddie was going, the all-rounder was going, England are gonna go down to four bowlers. And Andrew Strauss wasn't really didn't really trust me in the first innings. I didn't bowl a great deal in the second innings. It was just to come on and mop the tail up. My body, my body was slowing down. I wasn't as effective as what I, I could be. And I watched Stuart Broad just blow Australia away and Anderson. And I seen Swanee and I thought, you know, Swanee doing well on the wickets. And I thought, you know what, Freddie's going. It's time for, it's time for me to go as well. So I'd, I'd never announced any retirement because I knew I'd, I'd mentioned at Andy Flower that that was probably it for me. I couldn't do 10 months anymore. My body was going to let me down and slow off. But I told me, mate, halfway through the last session just after I'd come on the ball I said me and you will walk around slowly today after this right what for I says I says because this is my last game as well and I didn't want to make any announcement or anything because Andrew Flintoff deserved a massive send-off and a massive fanfare for what he did for English cricket and I just wanted to be on the back of it because I was his pal and I knew I was finished as well This has been a following on special. Tomorrow we will be at England training ahead of the warm-up match this weekend. To never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. See you tomorrow.
this morning that Harbison has... Well, that's cut the Australian captain. Hayden took one straight on the helmet. Ponting, I think the ball has snuck through that gap between the grill and the peak of the helmet, and he's in trouble Ooh, here. Tough one. Tough one for the umpire, that one. Well, that might not be. Five wickets for Stephen Harmison. Very well deserved, well bowled. Australia in big trouble. All out 190. Stephen Harmison, take a bow. That's the hostility of Harmison and why he's been so good in this England. It's a big hit. He's a tough campaigner. Here comes Harmison. He's found the man out there. Hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.